Welcome to Coaching the Coach. I'm your host, Pete Townley, for the Upstate Performance Project. Hey guys, welcome to the show. We are back talking about the nine principles of personal training, things that you need to consider when you're putting together a long-term training program. Now, you've heard me talk about this a lot, okay? I've done blog posts about it. I've talked about it on this podcast years ago, a couple years ago, and I've been harping on it. I, I, I reference back to this all the time, and, and I do so because it is that important. It's, that, it's a critical piece, and I'm going to talk more about that in a minute and the uh, remaining principles I haven't discussed yet. There's four of them that we're going to talk about today that I haven't quite got to yet. Um, but before I do, a couple uh, announcements. Uh, we are on the final stages of the app. Um, I know a couple weeks ago I said it was going to be a week, and now it's going to be one more week. Um, out of my control, right? you got to let Apple and, and Google Play do their thing and vet the app. And that just takes a little longer than I expected. Uh, but no worries. Uh, I got confirmation yesterday that it should be five to seven business days. So I would imagine early next week uh, we will have a launch, but I will certainly keep you guys aware. Now, I'm drinking my pre-workout here because I'm going to go lift a little bit after we work out or after we uh, talk. Um, another thing um, that I want to announce or at least put out there is, again, all, all of our programs that are on our website that you can go check out. We've got weightlifting programs. Um, we have a running program coming and my conditioning book, which has been a long time coming. If you recall, that was a pre-COVID era project that we started that... Um, I kind of had to put on hold when, when COVID hit. I really had to make, um, I guess the best way to put it is we had to refocus our strategy and what we were going to be doing uh, to deal with COVID and, you know, had to get that out there. I had to make some adjustments and that was just one thing that had to kind of, you know, be put on hold a little bit while I was or while we were trying to figure out what our next move was. So. I'm back to that, um, getting ready to uh, put the final touches on that, so that should be coming out as well soon. Lots of things coming out soon. I think 2021 is going to be is going to go down as one of the best years for us as a gym. Um, we are closing in on our four-year anniversary. Got something special planned for that. Chelsea and I got married. We bought a house. Lots of things have happened in 2021. Um, there's been some highs and some lows. Many more highs, though, overall. And you know, we've just we've decided to really move forward with some some different projects. And I've alluded to a few, but we're going to really jump into things. One of the ones I want to talk about today, though, is this podcast, kind of the future of the podcast. Um, very excited. Uh, as you guys know, I've been trying to get together a network of people uh, to join. That's why I changed the name uh, that it's filed under as uh, Up League Network or UPP League Network. And a lot of those things, again, were all pre-COVID uh, changes that when COVID hit, everyone had to scramble and kind of priorities changed and a lot of that fell by the wayside. So again, circling back, bringing things back, some of these ideas I still really like and I don't want to let go. So we are bringing that back. We are going to have different shows and we're going to start 
by doing a couple different shows under the Coaching the Coach banner. So I'm going to still do my normal Coaching the Coach type um, shows where I want to get you guys information, just things to get better at to be a better coach, whether that's motivation or um, you know ideas on how to put workouts together. Uh, how to grow your business, all these different things. We're going to continue that, and that's not going to change. I am going to add in a lot more, um, when I say motivation, I'm looking at steering my motivation to you, the trainers, or you, the coaches, as opposed to how to motivate your clients. And some of those are going to be, you know, me just kind of rambling, <laughs> we'll say, or me speaking off the cuff. I'm going to try to post a lot more often on these podcasts. Some are going to be longer, some are going to be shorter. But the idea is, I, I, I from time to time have these ideas that I want to throw out there. And sometimes they're sports related or fitness related. Sometimes they're just general, like, hey, get your butt together. This is, you know, these are what I'm thinking. These are things I tell myself, things that help me get back in the game when I'm feeling down or having a rough go, right? We don't want to be a victim. We want to move forward. But anyways, so you're going to see a lot more podcasts being posted. I'm going to try to have them all, uh, you know, in the description listed out so that you'll have an idea, some of which you may want to listen to, some some you may want to skip, and that's okay. But we're going to have a lot more content coming your way. Uh, starting now, starting today, uh, over the next few days, you're going to see a lot of posting on the podcast site um, as we are prepping for more filming for the YouTube page. But anyhow, uh, I'm getting I'm getting ahead of myself, rambling a little bit. Want to take one things at a t- one thing at a time. That's probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned over the last few years is not to get ahead of yourself. I tend to do that. I do that a lot. And it's easy to do, but at the same time, I, I'm going to try to rein it in uh, and focus on one thing at a time and do that well, or two or three things at a time, uh, but not every idea I ever have all at once. So that being said, uh, we're going to jump right into, te- into today to talk about the last four of the nine principles that um, that we need to have long-term programming for. Now, I really think, and this is my opinion, that some of these last four are seemingly very obvious, uh, but obviously very misunderstood and and very um, often uh, mishandled, we'll say, or carried out incorrectly. And I think that that's um, why I say these last ones for the last. That was great... uh, Great word wordplay there. The last one's for the last. <laughs> Anyhow, the last four that I want to talk about are safety, variety, diminishing returns, and uh, holy cow, cannot think of the last one. You know, I do these off the top of my head sometimes, and I'd be a lot better off if I just prepared, right? <laughs> so anyways, we're going to do safety, um, variety, uh, diminishing returns and recovery and recovery. Okay, well, let's just start with recovery. That one is a fairly basic one, right? We want to recover. And, you know, one of the things that is often misunderstood is when we talk about recovery, 
you know, a lot of times we're talking about recovery in the standpoint of recovering from workout to workout, in between workouts. And that's obviously the biggest part of it. And that's one thing that sets uh, Upstate Performance Project apart is that that's one thing that both Chelsea and I understand very well. Me uh, being an athletic trainer for a number of years, helping athletes, you know, prevent and care for their injuries uh, was a, was basically my whole job was to make sure that they were ready to go to do whatever they needed to do to get better at their sport day in and day out, right? So the strength coach in me wants to help prepare them and get them ready to be good on the field. Um, the athletic trainer in me also knows that I'm going to push you hard in the weight room and you're going to get pushed hard out on the field. You need to be able to recover, right? You need to be able to have the proper nutrition and the proper rest so that you can get back into the workouts just as intensely the next day. Now, we at Upstate have decided that that's kind of the mentality that we want to take. Now, the majority of our clients who are not athletes aren't preparing for anything. They don't have a sport practice and weightlifting all in one day, so they're not crushing it like, like say, a Division One athlete or even a high school athlete. But the idea is we want to have that intensity in our workouts and we want to be able to push our, our clients like that, but we know we can only do that if we have them recover properly. That's why we have our, our uh, athletic training tables in the, in the gym. We've employed athletic trainers and physical therapists to help us with that mission. Um, so everything from everything basic like e-stem, you know, tense units and, and uh, ice and things like that. To, to more sophisticated uh, stretching techniques, body work, grass, and those, all these different things to help the body recover and feel good. Now, some of these, you know, are all debatable in terms of their efficacy, you know, but the idea is we know from experience and we know what it takes and what the a average athlete goes through. So what we want to be able to do with our regular clients is help them, give them the same uh, attention, that same detailed attention to their bodies to help them come in day in and day out and not get injured over time. So for example, in a tra traditional high intensity class, you may crush it and push it super hard and then you feel tired, you go home and you know maybe every once in a while you get a massage or you know you might stretch a little bit, but you're not doing it day in and day out and that can lead to some overuse injuries that can lead to just muscle tightness, which can then in, lead, in turn lead to a muscle pull. Again, I'm speaking in generalities here, but the idea is we know that if our clients go home and utilize some of these techniques or they do that here in the gym before they go home, they're going to be ready to come back in in a day or two and hit the same level intensity without the risk of overworking it, overtraining, uh, or burning out. So that's kind of our philosophy on recovery. But we could also talk about recovery in, in this sense of recovery between sets. And that's just as important, right? So we want to sometimes have, you know, we talk about work rest ratios, and that is a lot to do with recovery, right? So depending on what my goal is, whether that's muscular endurance or hypertrophy or muscular strength, power, these kind of uh, goals are going to change how we recover in between sets and basically how much time we rest in between sets and what do we need do we need an intra workout 
stimulant or an intra-workout meal or anything like that to, to fuel us to keep us going. All of those things play a, a factor. And, and again, I could do a whole episode on those things and you know, maybe comment you know, if, if you want me to. Uh, but the idea is if I want to have my athletes perform the best and get the most out of the workout and get the intended result from the workout, the rest ratio, the work, rest to work ratio is very important. And that's something that Chelsea and I utilize a lot, especially with our athletes, but we do utilize that a lot with our clients as well. Um, if I know you're trying to you know, get stronger, if, if we're in a strength phase, we're going to be resting two to four minutes in between sets. And that may seem like a long time, but we have to have uh, that those muscle cells replenish and recover uh, so that I can go out with the same intensity again and, and have the same training stimulus on my body. Now, if I don't give myself enough time to recover, I might be able to do five sets if that was the plan, but I'm not going to be able to use as much weight as I could if I gave myself more rest. And therefore, my overall workload will be less. My heart rate may be up and, and maybe I've burned a few more calories. Again, maybe that was the goal. It, it all depends on your goal. But recovery, you know, can be something to be addressed in between sets, uh, in between exercises, uh, within a workout, in another way to put it, as opposed to, or in addition to, I should say, uh, between uh, days, between workout uh, days. Okay, uh, talking about safety. Safety is another, uh, should be no-brainer. We bring up another term here when we talk about safety, uh, and that is risk-reward ratio. Again, we like ratios around here. There are some exercises that could be deemed as more effective than others, Uh, but the risk versus the reward of that exercise is is more than I'm willing to deal with or, or work with. For example, um, I think one of the biggest ones that I see a lot of are kipping handstand push-ups. I have no problem with handstand push-ups, but the kipping handstand push-up is something that, you know, just like any skill takes time to do, it should only be done by those who are highly skilled. And even then, I, I question whether or not that is a skill or that is a movement that is worth the risk. You guys have heard me talk about this before on a podcast. Uh, you know, as your shoulders fatigue because they also they are smaller muscles, we're putting them overhead, which puts the shoulder in a very unstable position, right? All of these things lead, you know, and then the violent kipping motion. Uh, we could easily our shoulders could give out, get fatigued, we land on our head, and that's a problem. So there's just no. I won't say there's no benefit to the exercise. It's it's a explosive exercise. It's a highly skilled exercise, and could really you know get you a shoulder pump if that's what you're after. But the risk is is too much for the you know not enough payoff in my opinion. Therefore, I don't ever do that. I've never done one uh, in my gym, uh, and, and never will have my clients doing. If, if a client comes in and wants to do squats on a BOSU ball, why? You know, what's the risk versus the reward? There's a lot of different exercises. So for another, uh, little say, more appropriate example, I have some athletes that may need to get stronger generally, just general strength. And I want to utilize a squat because I think squats are good. 
and they may not be able to have the proper mechanics or the mechanics that I like due to their body uh, measurements and you know uh, limb lengths and things like that. But flexibility, mobility, technique all play a role, and I can work on that. So in the meantime, I'm going to work on other exercises to g get general strength because at that point, trying to force them to do a squat when they when they don't have the right motion for it, the risk isn't there. Now, you could make an argument that maybe you should teach the form first with just a PVC pipe up until they're perfect with that and then start loading it. And that's not a bad way to do it. But you also have to take into consideration, I also, especially in a sports setting, my, my job is to get them stronger as well, right? And, and better suited for their sport. So I want that mobility. I'm going to be doing that. Absolutely going to be doing that. But in the meantime, in order to strengthen them, I have to come up with other exercises that aren't as high risk as maybe a general basic squat would be for someone who doesn't have the right mobility for them. So again, picking the, the right exercises for for them is is most important. And, and keeping them safe, obviously, is a, is a huge thing. Um, another just basic principle with safety is you just want to have a safe lifting area. Having bags and plates and all this other stuff uh, around your lifting area uh, are just safety hazards. If you're doing Olympic lifts and you know uh, a snatch gets away from you a little bit and you back up and step on a plate and trip, that could hurt. Or if you drop, you know, uh, fail and bail behind you, it could bounce off a plate and, and, and come back and hit you in the leg. There's all kinds of things that could happen uh, that are avoidable. There's always going to be freak accidents, but for the most part, if you can avoid it, it should be avoided. So again, just basic things, safety, right? So safety and recovery. Uh, now, variety and diminishing returns are probably some of the hardest to, to really think about, and it shouldn't be that hard, but it is. And let's talk about diminishing returns first. Diminishing returns. Um, this is basically as your body gets closer to its uh, limits or its natural abilities, the gains and or weight loss, if that's the, the, the measurement, um, will slow down. Just as if, if I'm trying to get stronger uh, and I've never lifted weights before, I'm going to see a tremendous amount of progress in the first year. And you know, each subsequent year, I'm going to see less and less. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not getting stronger. Um, it just means I'm going to have to uh, change things a little bit up uh, in order to keep the growth going. That, that'll talk about variety in just a minute. But if I'm trying to get stronger, putting on 100 pounds on my squat in the first year is not unreasonable. But in my fourth, fifth, sixth year of, of exercising, it's not likely I'm going to go from a 405 to a 505 squat in one year. It's just not going to happen naturally. And so you, athletes have to understand that. And, and where it really you know, hits home is with weight loss. A lot of times people get moving and they're, they're dedicated. They're doing everything right. They're eating what you tell them. They're doing things. And they're not, well, they're losing weight at first, but then that weight loss slows way down and they don't know why. And they get upset or they get frustrated. I was losing 10 pounds the first week and now I'm only losing three. Well, again, you have to tell them, A, what an appropriate amount of weight loss per week is over the long haul, an average. Um, and you have to describe this principle to them because they're going to they're gonna run into this. Um, 
one thing I used to say all the time or, or see all the time is when Biggest Loser first came out and these people were losing, you know, 30, 40 pounds a week for the first couple of weeks. First of all, they were in controlled settings and the efficacy of, of that can definitely be called into question. But even on the show, they lost less and less weight as the show went on. And, and they, they would mention it, but they would never explain it in full detail. They would never use the term diminishing returns. Um, I won't say never. I, don't, I never heard it. But then again, I only really watched the first season. So if they did, it's been so long, I forgot. Um, but the point is, your clients need to understand this. Because it's going to be something that can mentally throw them off their game if their results seemingly are slowing down. Doesn't mean they're not making progress. Doesn't mean they're not making very good and normal progress. It's just it progress slows down the closer you get to your natural potential. All right, so let's talk variety. This is probably one of my favorite ones to talk about because it's this is the one that I see get screwed up the most. Variety for variety's, variety's sake is not necessarily what we mean by variety. This this term muscle confusion got thrown around with uh, you know P90X and Tony Horton and talking about muscle confusion and you know then everyone kind of had their own spin on it and and they're not wrong. Uh, it's it's rooted in science. You know you have to you have to challenge and stimulate your muscles in different ways, but that doesn't mean you have to do something completely different every single time. I've had trainers that have worked for me that that's been their philosophy. They switch up their workout every single time. You know, no rhyme or reason. They're just completely doing things different because that keeps the body guessing and it's always going to be in this state of growth because it never knows. It never plateaus. Well, you know, again, depending on where you are in your lifting career or exercise career, that may or may not work for very long. It may not work at all. And, you know, I remember, and this is going back to 2004 or 5, uh, when I was first writing some, some sport programs, some six-week training programs uh, uh, for, for athlete uh, speed, power, and agility type stuff. And I was writing, they were six weeks, three times a week, so 18 workouts. And I was writing 18 separate workouts. And although I had favorable results from, you know, the pre and post test, I started thinking they didn't improve that much, a little bit, but was that little bit because they knew what to expect on the post-test or was it because they really got better? So I started experimenting with different, um, uh, different uh, workouts, different types of, of um, progressions to see, you know, if they would, you know, improve, get, have better results. In other words, I had like, say, um, on my, on my plyometrics, rather than have them do a different style of plyometrics every single time they came in, I had them repeat the same ones and then slowly level up over the six weeks, progress it, make it a little harder, a little harder, a little harder. Then we pre-test or post-test on the original, uh, exercise and the results were even better. And that seems very obvious now, but at that time that showed me that, okay, variety is good, but that doesn't mean every single workout has to be different every single time. Um, heck, variety can simply mean, you know, 
changing the sets and the reps. So maybe I'd use the same exercises. My exercise selection doesn't change, but I change sets, reps, and t- you know, and load on the bar. That's variety. It may not be exciting, you know, totally mind-blowing, uh, crazy idea, fun variety, uh, which I think a lot of people get carried away with, and they and they think they need to do that to keep their clients interested. But I have seen the best results in my with my clients, and um, when I was working at, at Next Level Fitness, they were very big proponents of you know keeping the same exercise and doing slow progressions using these nine principles and um you know their their clients got results year in and year out and and that's it's just one of those things that um when people go and start tweaking uh workout programs variety is the thing that they just throw around and and they like to use those buzzwords muscle confusion and all those that you got to keep your your muscles guessing well you, you are guessing that way uh, you know, another famous example uh, in, in a good way is, is the conjugate uh, method. And I'm not an expert on this. So those of you who are, you know, I may be explaining it slightly incorrectly. But um, essentially, you know, if you're going to work a certain movement for a couple weeks. So Mondays may always be a heavy squat day. But for the, for the next two to three weeks, I might be doing heavy box squats. And then I'll switch to heavy beltless you know, narrow stance squats and then heavy, uh, regular squats with a belt and then, you know, heavy front squats, you know, so there, I'm going to change the variation, but I might stick with it for a couple weeks and then change it up. But it's always, you know, if my, if my Monday is my heavy day, it'll always continue to be my heavy or my max effort day in, in conjugate terms, um, versus a dynamic day. And, and, and so you're going to have some variety built in, even though you're still, squatting heavy <laughs> that day uh it's just the variation of the squat will change every couple weeks uh, so th- there's a lot of ways to change it up without trying to be totally crazy and and do a different workout every single time uh, and i think that can unfortunately uh be hard to understand for a lot of people and that's that's where the best advice i can give you is when you write out a, a, a program for someone and you have a progression over two, three, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, whatever it may be, stick to that. It may seem like your clients come in and like, oh, every Monday, I guess I'm squatting again. I guess I'm pressing again today. Yeah, you are. And we're going to up the weight a little bit. Are you going to do a few more reps today or work at a higher RPE? Whatever whatever your metrics are, you're tweaking those slightly in a in a progressive manner, in a progressively overloaded manner. Uh, to get results because ultimately their goal is to get stronger and or gain muscle or lose body fat right so if if over a six week period of time if I can show better results by doing something like that which may on paper seem relatively boring versus doing all these crazy different workouts something completely different every time that doesn't really fit together uh, that Second example may seem more exciting, but it's probably going to give uh, poorer results, uh, especially over the long term. Now, if you're a complete beginner, never done anything, you know, any stimulus is going to elicit some change. And you might have more, quote unquote, fun that way because it's just exciting and something different every single day. And there's something to be said for that to keep the, the athlete or the client engaged 
and maybe you switch up your your conditioning often or you switch up your ab exercises often or something you know that's not going to be a complete detractor from the progress you're trying to make in your progression of of your main lifts and exercises that you're selecting so hopefully that helps clear things up again we talk about this in relation to putting together the best workout over the long haul. You can certainly have phases of your workouts that don't address all nine principles, right? And you should always think of those principles when you're writing out your program. Um, we, we work with uh, an elite soccer program right now. And you know, we're, we look at different phases throughout the year and what we should be doing with the athletes and when and why and, and what our rationale is. And so right now we're definitely in the season. Last year it was an, a weird season because they split up games and so they were playing all year round. So we never had a true off season except for a little bit in the summer. But then that technically was also should have been our preseason, right? And so we had to split up some, some workouts uh, and change some things around a little bit to accommodate. But now that we're in season and it's a true in season workout, we work on recovery uh, at the beginning of the week. Middle of the week, we can push the intensity a little bit. And then later in the week, we work with athletes on movement prep and central nervous system prep for the games to get their bodies fresh, uh, excitable so that we, we, you know, we can, you know, uh, quickly fire when we need to fire, uh, but not wear them out. And so we, we, we adjust the week as, as, as accordingly. Uh, but we look at all of these principles throughout the year so that we know the athletes are going to get stronger, make progress and, and get better and better and better. And what we're seeing, what we saw over the last year with a, a little bit, you know, better managed load is a lot of teams were, were doing better. And it took a little while to get going. And it's not to say that they're only performing better because of what Chelsea and I are doing, but that's a, that's a component in their overall progress. Uh, and, and, you know, a couple of the teams won national championships over the, over the summer. So, you know, there, there are some benefits to making sure that your training programs or your sport performance programs are utilizing these nine principles. Or if you're training someone one-on-one, uh, you know, if they're coming back from a rehab assignment or, or they're on a rehab assignment, coming back from an injury, some of these things may or may not, you know, play, play a huge role. Uh, there may not be a ton of variety or simply the variety is uh, built into the progression because they're getting better and stronger uh, as they get back from that injury. So always got to keep these in mind to make sure that the program works uh, and works long term. And, it, and, uh, and that's the key. That's the key. So if this makes sense to you, if it doesn't make sense to you, give us a comment. We'd love to talk to you more about it. And as I said, stay tuned. There's going to be lots more uh, podcasts coming quickly uh, over the next few days, um, hopefully to maintain that uh, high frequency posting schedule. Have a good one.